Hello, St. Thomas. Today is the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. Today we've got another one of Jesus' parables, also from Matthew chapter 13. So today's gospel reading is going to follow right on the heels of last week's parable. Uh, last week we had the parable of the sower, and this week we have another parable that is, uh, that is kind of planting and harvesting themed as well. So hopefully you find that just as interesting as you did last week. We will be following Divine Service Setting 3 without communion. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us, and has given his only Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God, and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. And now our intro for today is from Psalm 86. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Give ear, O Lord, to my plea prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee, we glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us.
Thou that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For thou only art holy, thou only art Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, so rule and govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that ever mindful of your final judgment, we may be stirred up to holiness of living here and dwell with you in perfect joy hereafter. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In the Old Testament reading for the seventh Sunday after Pentecost is from Isaiah Chapter 44. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? There is no rock. I know not any. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Romans chapter 8. For I consider the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we, are, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? And he said, 
No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. And now, having heard the word of God, we confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So the text for our sermon this morning is the Gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 13. Timing is everything. We all know this. There are some things in life that you can just rush through and get done whenever you want, but those things seem to be rare. With most things in life, timing is everything, and patience is key. How do you know when it's time to take the cake out of the oven? How do you know when it's time to harvest the field? These things take patience. And so patience is a skill we must learn in life because without it, we can sometimes ruin all of our best efforts. If you do something at the wrong time, you can risk ruining the whole thing despite your best intentions. Our text this morning is one that confronts us with patience and the timing of the kingdom of God in the form of another parable of Jesus. Like the parable parable from last week, Jesus also explains this one. And so you have the Son of Man who sows good seed in his field, who are the sons of the kingdom. And yet the evil one sows weeds which grow up among the wheat. The workers of the field are ready to immediately go and uproot the weeds, but the master's response is not what they expect. Certainly the master is unhappy about the weeds that have grown up in his field where he planted only good seed. Certainly he recognizes this as the work of the enemy, the evil one, and yet he is not willing to uproot the weeds just yet. This because he knows that the weeds are growing so close to the wheat 
that in uprooting the weeds, the wheat will be uprooted too. If he does something about the weeds before the time for the harvest has come, he will destroy the whole crop. And thus the sons of the evil one are allowed to grow up alongside the sons of the kingdom for the sake of preserving the sons of the kingdom. What is asked of the servants then is to have patience and trust. Patience in enduring the mixture of good and evil within the world and trust that the Lord will render justice and root out all evil on the last day. Patience and trust, then, are the key points in today's text. But what exactly does this look like? This is the part where it gets tough. When asked to be patient, we are often tempted in becoming complacent and even condoning evil. If good and evil are meant to exist alongside each other in the world, why bother speaking against evil? God will just take care of it all in the end anyway, so there's really no point in us attempting to do anything about it, right? This is patience without trust. Really, this is just giving up. And when that happens, we no longer proclaim God's law. On the other hand, trusting that God will render judgment, we can be tempted to fall off the other side of the horse and attempt to enact God's judgment prematurely. Why wait until the end? Since we know that God will one day bring about judgment, why not get a head start and give these evil people what they have coming and fix things ourselves? This is trust without patience. And then we no longer proclaim God's gospel. Either way we do it, God's word is what is lost. The third temptation is to look at all the evil in the world and just give up on God entirely. This is one of the most common objections raised by uh, people who refuse to believe in God these days. They say, how could an all-powerful, all-loving God allow so much evil in the world? Wouldn't such a God have to do something about it? But he doesn't, and therefore he doesn't exist. This is a lack of both patience and trust. But this parable is a perfect answer to this objection. It shows that God's wisdom is greater than our wisdom. Timing is everything, and God's timing is perfect. And so he is patient with evil, waiting until the right time to root it out, so as not to destroy the entire harvest. So we can see that Jesus calls us to do something that is very difficult for us. We must be patient, and with the presence of evil in the world, and we must trust that God will render judgment at the right time. So I've told you so far what that patience and trust doesn't look like, but what then does it look like? Well, if you want to know what this patience and trust looks like, then hear the preaching of Jesus from earlier in Matthew's Gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In this, Jesus does not condone evil, but he speaks against it. He recognizes evil for what it is, and he calls people away from it with that word, repent. It also doesn't attempt to enact God's judgment prematurely. Instead, he calls attention to the nearness of God's mercy in the presence of the kingdom. You see, the kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus is. And so the proclamation that the kingdom of heaven is at hand is a proclamation that Jesus is here. 
And so this is what we, as a church, take comfort in as we experience the nearness of the kingdom, the presence of Christ, here where he promises to be. We experience the nearness of the kingdom of heaven as the church proclaims the forgiveness of sins to those who repent. When it baptizes us and makes us children of the kingdom, that good seed that is sown in the field. And when God's word is proclaimed to us in its fullness. The call to patience and trust is extremely important in the church and in her ministry. We can see why this is so important when we look at the prevailing culture in the United States today. We currently live in what is commonly referred to as cancel culture. In cancel culture, whenever someone says or does something that is deemed to be offensive, unjust, or unorthodox by the prevailing culture, then it isn't tolerated. It simply can't be. Our culture calls the person out on it and cancels him or her. And so we've seen athletes, celebrities, news anchors, lawmakers, CEOs, cooks, and coaches all be canceled or lose their jobs. Our society has judged them guilty, and thus they will always be guilty. In the face of this cancel culture, the church then has a unique mission. The church does not condone sinful behavior, of course. The church does and will continue to call sinners to repentance. But the church also does something that cancel culture is incapable of doing. The church forgives. You see, the problem with cancel culture is that it leaves no room for repentance and forgiveness. It leaves no possibility for change or for growth. So a sports star in his 30s will get called out for something he posted on social media when he was a teenager. Even after he apologizes, the culture cancels him anyway and he loses his contract. Then someone will find an objection and an opinion piece of a CEO of a major corporation that he wrote in the 80s. Something that wasn't even controversial at the time, but today it's considered problematic. And so he'll lose his job because of something 35 years ago that's unorthodox today. He's been canceled. Because he once committed evil, he will always be considered evil. This is cancel culture. But this is not how the church responds. The church follows Christ. Think about it. Jesus himself suffered death at the hands of another cancel culture. His words were considered blasphemous by some and radical by others. His actions were considered to be too soft on sin by some, and yet others thought that he was demonic. And so the culture declared him unfit, and they attempted to cancel him by hanging him on the cross to die. Yet he was the author of life, which is confirmed in his own resurrection from the dead. He cannot be canceled or controlled by the culture. Jesus Christ transcends all culture. And in his death on the cross, he has won forgiveness and salvation for all people. And so in Jesus, God promises us forgiveness of sins and new life. Life after being canceled. The church, is, or the church itself is full of such stories of new life. Take Peter, for example. He deserted Jesus and denied him not once, but three times. Yet after he repented... Jesus sent him out to feed his sheep. 
Peter wasn't canceled, he was forgiven. Paul, likewise, was an enemy of the church who sought to destroy the followers of Jesus. And yet Jesus called him out of sin and made him the apostle to the Gentiles who wrote half the New Testament. Your story is one of these stories too, isn't it? Every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has committed some sort of evil, said or done something that is problematic, but more than just problematic, worthy of eternal condemnation. And yet, we are not canceled. We're forgiven. We're restored. We're brought back to life in the life of Christ. This is what the church does, and it's counter-cultural. Because of what Jesus did, the church does not cancel people. Instead, it proclaims the law to them so that they can see their own sin and their need for a Savior. And then it proclaims the gospel, pointing the way to Jesus who brings forgiveness, life, and salvation. It is through this message of law and gospel, it is through God's word that he governs his kingdom. And so, yes, we live in a world that is mixed. It is mixed with both good and evil. And this experience can be frustrating. We can be tempted to give up and just permit evil. Or we can be tempted to lose our patience and start canceling people left and right. But canceling someone doesn't save anyone. Rather, we are called to be patient. Patient that God's timing is the best timing. And that God is working in the world through his word to ensure that the harvest of the sons of the kingdom is plentiful. And we are called to trust. To trust in God's grace, which is given us through Jesus Christ, and to trust that God will indeed render judgment on the last day, rooting out all evil and all evildoers. In patience and trust, we speak God's word to cancel culture, with arms that are wide open to those who repent not canceled, but shown the love of God through grace and mercy, just as we were shown that same grace and mercy. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds with Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, we are too quick to judge your ways, and too bold to presume upon your wisdom. Grant us grace so that we may trust in your word and fulfill our baptismal vocation of worship, witness, prayer, and works of mercy, both to our families and to our neighbors in need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Blessed Lord, we are stewards of your creation, but we have often squandered its goodness and wasted its resources. Guide us to use wisely and for the benefit of all people the fruits of this good earth and preserve its goodness for those to come. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, we have been given new birth in baptism. Help us to confess your Son before the world, 
reflecting the glory of your kingdom to all people. Bless all pastors, missionaries, and church workers, that they may be faithful in their callings. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious Lord, we enjoy great freedom and blessing in our land. Bless Donald, our President, the Congress of these United States, our Governor, and those who make, judge, and administer our laws in our land. Give them wisdom in their actions for the protection of life and livelihood. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, we give you thanks for the gift of faith, which we must never take for granted. Hear our prayers on behalf of the sick, the aged, the infirm, and those who mourn those near death. Grant them healing in, grace, in accord with your will and grace to sustain them in their need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Lord, we too easily forget those in nursing homes, assisted living, and the homebound. Give us grace so that we may bring them your consolation and peace and give them the aid and comfort of your word and our fellowship in Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we are wounded by the sufferings of this life, and we need your grace to sustain us in hope and equip us with patience. Give to us all that we need to pass through the day of trouble and be found faithful when Christ comes in his glory at the last day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gentle Lord, we ask you to visit the homes of your people, that they may be places of blessing and love, where faith is nurtured and we learn to live out our new lives in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, hear us on behalf of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grant that what we pray for we may work toward under the guidance of your Holy Spirit, that at the day of judgment we may be found worthy to join the saints and enter into your gift of eternal life and life, eternal light and life forevermore. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.